boy movies welcome to big boy movies a podcast about movies and the big boys who watch them i'm one of your big boys matt Beebe. i'm another big boy john george and here we are uh i've actually had john george digitally reconstructed uh for this week's episode I figured Hollywood's doing that with everyone now, so I, w- I wanted to jump on the train. So this is actually an actor that we have digitally recreated uh, John George over for yes. this podcast. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We haven't gotten the, the dialogue great yet, uh, but he looks, trust me, he looks exactly like the real thing. I'm another one of your big boys, John George. Uh, that's another phrase I put into him. Uh, this should be a good podcast, I think. Uh, what do you think, Uh John George. Dolomite is my name. Okay, yes, that is the movie we watched this week. Okay. Um, hey, Mart- Martin. Martin, you said this would be good. You you digitally de-aged Robert De Niro for your movie. You said digital actors are what we're doing now. Martin, I thought... This what, sucks. what is going on? Is that me? No, in no, here? no, John. You weren't supposed Stop. to be here. Oh, get uh, this guy uh, out of here! Oh God! All right, get, Martin, Martin, take him away. Take him <laughs> oh away. You can God. put him in the Irishman. I don't care. A podcast without with it just me? it was new technology. It's oh what everyone's my doing now. God, this he is a this isn't me, Marty. We're gonna have a talk later about that. I thought you said this was Martin, good. Get out of here. God. I like you, Martin, but stop digitally re- recreating me. You we always had, do this. You could get new actors, I, I feel uh, like. Now that I think about it, I don't know why I spent $17 million on that John George. <laughs> we could have just hired a different person. Yeah. Or you could. I could have just kept going. Yeah, what was I guess wrong with so. Me? I, well, you're getting a little old I, is the thing. And when actors get old, we have to make them look younger with computers. I guess. I, so, you know. Yeah. You're you're this hitting is a the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you're hitting the high range of podcast ages, though. True. I mean, can you name a podcast that's hosted by anyone over twenty six? No, no, honestly, no, not a single uh, one. How old are the barstool sports people? Like fifteen? Uh, yeah, probably. I'm gonna say <laughs> at least seven. I'm talking at least mentally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I wonder if there are people who listen to podcasts who like love the old raspy voice, like they want old. Yeah. We should we should do a, a an old episode then. Yeah, or we're just old. Yeah, we're old people. We'll watch an old movie. I'll have to get like a sore throat yeah. and like blow my voice mm-hmm. out. And then yeah, we can- we'll go to like a, a Taylor Swift concert the night before, and we'll be so busy screaming there that we'll yeah. have lost our voices. Also, smoke a lot of cigarettes. We'll get mm-hmm. that raspy voice. Yes, down. let's go to a Taylor Swift concert <laughs> so- and smoke a bunch of cigarettes <laughs> and drink a whiskey. Now that. Is what I call a Wednesday night. <laughs> it's like, who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> oh, we got a podcast tomorrow. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! <laughs> Smoking cigarettes. I was just like, what? I liked her better in the We're red st- era, but this is okay too. <laughs> what are these vapes you guys have? What yeah, is this? These are not going to damage your throat nearly as much. <laughs> uh, okay. Movies. This is a podcast podcasts. about movies. About movies, podcast, and we combine them yeah. into one. We put them together into one that's never actually been done before is the yeah. crazy thing. It's like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Almost. Frankenstein's movie podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is a big boy movie, Frankenstein. Yeah. I'm not sure, actually. Is there just like a Frankenstein movie? There's, I'm, I think Universal probably did it okay. forever ago. Yeah. They're, they're making an Invisible Man movie now. That's the new thing. Oh. That after the mummy failed horribly, they were like, well, let's let's take a crack at another old movie monster. Jeez. Yeah. Weird. And the twist this time is that the invisible man is like an abusive husband. 
Nice. But he's also <laughs> invisible. <laughs> the scariest abusive husband make a is new the one monster, you can't see. Like the no. Babadook. The he, Babadook was a fantastic original monster. This is the created. issue is now someone owns the Babadook and no one else can have it. Yeah. Anyone could, we could make a Frankenstein movie tomorrow and no one could do anything because yeah. he's public domain. But I can't make a Babadook movie. Yeah. You don't get you don't get public domain monsters anymore. Well, honestly, she's the only person who deserves the Babadook. Movie. Yeah, it's true. It's she true. was a, she was very good at yeah. directing that movie, and I was scared. Yeah, I was very scared. Oh, I just got a text from my girlfriend. She's watching The Lighthouse as <gasps> we record this podcast. Wow, she is about to have a time and a half. Yeah, she asked me if she should see Jojo Rabbit, Parasite, or The Lighthouse. I said Parasite, but mm-hmm. she ignored my my want. Well, she made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, she BB um, probably does like The Lighthouse more than Parasite. I do like The Lighthouse more than Parasite. Um, maybe we'll find that out later in our in 2019 our, movie. Oh right? my god! <laughs> Don't give too much away. You're sorry, spoiling. Sorry, it. sorry. sorry. <laughs> We've got a lot of I'll bring Digital to, John George back in. We've got a lot in. of movies to rank later. I yeah. wonder what his he would rank. <laughs> I think he would probably just say the last thing he heard. Uh, Dolomite. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here, John. Digital John. Okay. I've heard that you have that you're going to join me this week on this segment yes. where we talk about movies we watched. It's unfortunate that it's become a less common thing for me to do a weekly roundup, but I do have two movies to talk about Yeah. Um, that will probably end up just sounding like one movie, oh. but we'll, we'll mash them together because it was uh, a brain fart I had. I should have talked about one of these movies weeks ago, yeah. and I forgot. Yeah. Uh, so do you want me to kick it off? I think you should. Yes, you should, but you should also automatically knock the star rating down on that movie because you forgot. Oh, so okay. That, that's the rule. So uh, a few weeks ago, I actually came in to the podcast, and I was telling John, like, I feel like I saw a movie. <laughs> I remember But this. I can't. I can't like remember what it was uh, and it was because like a week had gone by between recording and I just couldn't remember. So uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is John Wick chapter two. Ooh. I actually gave my reactions to John Wick, the first one on an earlier episode. Um, and John Wick chapter two is uh, bigger, better and better than John Wick chapter one. Better in a good way. Better as in, like, <laughs> if I said better, but weird. Like, it's yeah, yeah. better. Like you're, a, like, you're a bad man, John yeah, Wick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's a bad, bad motherfucker. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess I can follow this up with the second movie is John Wick Chapter 3. What? We, I, I've completed the John Wick trilogy. No way. Which has been confirmed to be a quadrilogy by the year 2021. Wow. Um, so, Spoilers. Uh, essentially, we'll start with John Wick Chapter 2, which is very good. Um, I would say in both chapter two and chapter three, they bring the action up to 11, uh, and they manage to make it more insane each time. My main criticism I would say is that the movies open so strong that they can't exactly top themselves by the end. Yeah. I hate that. I think my favorite action scene in the series so far is the opening of chapter two. Okay. Which picks up like a day after chapter one ended. Hmm. Um, the whole trilogy takes place in like the span of a week. And oh, that's so, cool. yeah, it's cool, but it's also insane because John Wick's being shot and beaten and like thrown off of buildings and he just keeps going, uh, which is fun, but it's also like, let him give him a break, give guys. Him, give him a breather. Just like let him hang out for a second. John Reeves needs a breather. Yeah. For real. So uh, John Wick Chapter 2 is good. It basically 
I talked about the world building uh, in the first movie, which is fairly subtle, I would say, in the first movie, but still interesting. And then John Wick Chapter 2 sort of ramps it up. And you realize, like, there's this secret assassin world uh, oh. going on all over the place. He goes to Rome in this one to do an assassination. Love Rome. Great city. Common is there. Oh, my um, God. He's always in Rome. Yeah. Common is always in Rome being a secret assassin. Yep. And uh, uh, it's this movie is still it's not a revenge story until like the second half when john wick has to take revenge on a guy who screwed him over Uh, um don't screw john wick yeah no that's literally the theme of every movie is they're like (laughs) why would you mess with john you guys have to stop messing with john wick (laughs) if you mess with john wick it you die that's that's the only outcome of that all right i want a prequel john wick chapter four is he's in elementary school and some kids are picking yeah they steal his lunch money (laughs) and then he kills them with like a bottle of elmer's glue yeah don't mess with john wick i will say the kills uh in two and three are great in john wick chapter two we get the uh mythical pencil kills Uh, of course he kills a bunch of guys with a pencil style no, much better than Joker much style. Much better than Joker yeah. style. He kills multiple people with a pencil who are not surprised to be killed with the pencil. Oh, okay. And then in John Wick Chapter 3, he kills a gigantic Russian man with a with library a book. Oh, library Yes, book. library book in John Wick Chapter 3. Okay. Um, and so, yeah. So, office supply. It's always just like, I'm killing people with office supplies. Yes, office supply. Anything. There's a scene in John Wick Chapter 3 where he's like putting all of his... He has to like empty his pockets and like put all his weapons on the table and they're like... And put your belt down, too. And so he has to take off his belt. And then later in the movie, he fights dudes just with his belt and and kicks the shit out of them with his belt. Wow. Uh, So that comes around nicely. Okay. Um, But yeah, they just ramp it up. He kills people with a horse in the third one. A horse. There's there's the most (laughs) impressive dog action I have ever seen in John Wick Chapter 3. Okay, is is this better than Air Bud? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) These dogs... Are trained better than any movie animal. Oh no! I'm Marley these, and me. Yes, these dogs don't fucking <laughs> die like little bitches. Oh these my are action God. dogs. <laughs> these dogs are bulletproof and they eat people's dicks. Jesus! And this Holly Berry sp- owns these dogs. This is a spoiler for me. All these, right. These are kind of. <laughs> here's the thing. I'm telling you that this is incredible dog action. You. Won't, I'm still going to be impressed. You have no idea until yeah. you watch this movie <laughs> yeah. and you see Can't these really dogs. Spoil action that much. Yeah, unless I go beat by beat, which I won't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they ramp up. The most insane, ridiculous thing about John Wick, chapter two and three, is that in chapter two, they kind of build up this assassin world. Like they have their like you know way of speaking. They have their own currency. You know, <laughs> basically in every movie there's a scene where john wick goes up to some random ass person and they're like oh hello mr wick like john wick could walk into a candy store and like put a gold coin on the table and be like i want a rainbow lollipop and then the candy store owner in his like bright colorful outfit would be like of course mr wick and he'd pull out like a m60 machine gun oh, and hand it to him <laughs> It's like that kind of thing. And so John Wick Chapter 3 essentially affirms that every single person in New York City is an assassin. Wow. Every person you see is... Which is is based off a true story. Yeah. All of the bums in New York City are assassins. (laughs) All of the taxi drivers are part of this assassin network. Uh, There are multiple scenes in these two movies where John Wick and his adversaries like murder each other in the middle of a crowded public space and no one reacts. Wow. 
they're in the middle of the New York City subway and John Wick stabs two dudes to death and everyone just keeps walking. It's normal. Like, normal well, that's New York City, yeah, it's New York which City. is what I appreciate a lot. Because if you were <laughs> in New York story. City and someone got stabbed to death, you'd be like, yeah, and you keep walking. <laughs> that's New York. Normal day. Yeah. Just another Tuesday. Um, but me. that's another thing I cannot stress enough is that in John Wick, Assassin World is everything. Okay. Assassin World is Everyone's everywhere an and everyone. John Wick could walk into like a kindergarten and get up to this little child, and he'd hand them the gold coin. They'd be like, oh, of course, Mr. Wick. And they'd pull a <laughs> lever, and a secret lair would open underneath the playground. Everything. Yes. Literally everything. Everything and everyone. And also, uh, suits are bulletproof, and dogs are bulletproof. Okay. Um, well, I'm in. It's so good. It's probably the best action franchise since Fast and Furious. Um I would say like it's better than Fast and Furious. Okay, and we um, saw this. You saw this live on Big Boy Movies. BB watched all these all these movies. Yes, I've discovered John Wick yes. as we've been doing this podcast. I would say it's one of my favorite action franchises now. My only concern is that Chapter Two ends with sequel bait that builds into Chapter Three, uh, which works because the stakes get higher, and then Chapter Three goes full out insane, uh, but then also ends with sequel bait, and I'm like. It has to end because they're going to lose steam. Okay. There's only so many variances of John Wick action, I feel like, that could possibly exist. And by the time we have John Wick hanging off of, like, Air Force One doing gun karate at the president, (laughs) I'm going to be like, all right, (laughs) we can't end this one with another sequel bait ending. <laughs> this has to be the last one. I don't know, baby. I'm going <laughs> to say five. Forever. I'm going to say five. Okay. And if after, if we get a John Wick six, I'm going to be concerned. Okay. If five can prove to me that there's still room to grow, then I'm fine. It's because they need to add the barbecue like Fast and Furious Yes. <laughs> if John Wick ended with a barbecue, <laughs> it would be the perfect movie okay. series. Okay. And we would have to destroy all other movies yes. because they would not be worthy of the legacy. there's no barbecues. Yes. Every movie should end with a barbecue where they say grace and thank God for fast cars and I guess guns in John Wick's case. Yes. Um, and that's yeah. the other thing. It's like not, not all they restrain themselves with the guns, especially in ch- uh, chapter three, which I really appreciated, which gets a lot of like creative kills. There's a scene in an antique store, which is wonderful because it's like all these old knives and revolvers and shit. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of great John Wick action. Yeah. Um, well, so yeah, I, I'll I'll be watching the first one. Soon. Yeah, the first one is great, um, and then it gets dumber but also better as it goes on. Okay, uh, and so once we make it to twenty twenty one, we can watch chapter four. Nice. Wait, did the first one come out in twenty thirteen or fourteen? I want to say thirteen. Okay, so I'm getting close to it. If, okay, if you haven't been listening to this podcast, you should know that me and BB are going to be ranking our favorite movies of the decade. So I'm just trying to cap off the decade with movies I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. I'm on 2011. So you get in there. We're trekking there. 2000 to be fair, 2010 and 2011 have the most movies out of any of the years mm-hmm. and then it's kind of it kind of gets smooth sailing after I finish these years. Yeah. Cuz it was like 10 movies each for these years. So mm-hmm. it's just like ridiculous. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm excited to see John Wick cuz that that's a big series of this decade. Yeah, it's uh, it's I think taken a lot of people by surprise because I'd always heard about it, but I was never like, oh, I got to see that. And then when I finally watched it, I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah, uh, it's like a movie created by stunt people for stunt people. So yeah. the stunts and the action are like unparalleled. Okay, 
um, because everyone wow. just knows how to do it. That's pretty, uh, pretty cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, huge, BB. What did you watch this week? Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Um, first, uh, BB, there needs to be a website mm-hmm. that's filled with a list of movies that you should not download to watch on a plane. Oh, that's a that should be a list on Letterboxd. Yeah, um, because the first movie I watched on a plane, and I shouldn't have watched it oh, no. on a plane. <laughs> what movie was that? The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, um, directed by David Fincher, director of The Social Network, the best movie of the decade. Yes, also uh, <laughs> a revenge movie. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, let me try to remember, <laughs> remember what this is about. Yeah, what what happens in the girl with it the is dragon? A, does yes, she get does she, my revenge? Does she already have the dragon tattoo when the movie starts? Yes, she okay. does. One of the early early scenes. So this isn't a spoiler because in the title mm-hmm. is her in the shower and she has a dragon tattoo. All right. By the way, oh my God, Rooney Mara was really good in this movie oh, as yeah. the girl with the dragon tattoo. Jeez, she was overshadowing Kate Mara. Do you think? Yes, absolutely. Don't I don't even know who Kate Mara is anymore. I, yeah, I forgot. No after idea. After House of Cards had to get rid of Kevin Spacey <laughs> and also her. Actually, yeah. they got rid of her first, but not for the same reason. Uh, and then this movie, I watched this movie, and then I was like, Kate Mara doesn't exist to me anymore. Yeah, nice. It's just got him. Um, and then uh, Daniel Craig plays Daniel Craig in mm-hmm. this movie. Yep. Called the girl with the dragon tattoo, and don't watch this movie on a plane because there are some violent scenes. There are some very nude, violent scenes. Very nude, extremely nude, also extremely violent. You know what? I bet John Wick Four. I'm calling it Keanu's naked fighting dudes with his dick. <laughs> okay. Yep. If they could, if they could, it would get a bit too dark if they went girl with the dragon tattoo with it. Yeah. But this movie is good. Okay. Um. Yes, it is good. It is blistering. It is. I. I just. You don't watch it on a plane. You can't digest this on a plane. I. There were some scenes I had to like fast forward through because I was like, okay, I get this scene. <laughs> I get it. I get it, and I know what's going to happen the rest of the scene. But mm-hmm. I don't think the people around me want to know what's going to happen the rest of the scene, so yeah. I'll just skip it. Um, and that's the best way to watch a movie. Exactly. Uh, I was only skipping like 15 seconds, but yeah. I was like, I don't want this visual to be on my iPad as people around me are looking. <laughs> Did at you me. have the middle seat? Uh, I had the aisle seat. Oh, uh, okay. That's if not I had much window better. Seat. I would have just window. Been, you would have been fine. Window. Just the person next to me would be seeing it. Basically. Well, you can turn towards the window, and then it's just a movie for yeah. you and God. True. Yeah. <laughs> God, have you seen Girl with the hey, Dragon God, Tattoo? Check this out. <laughs> it, was like, it was based off a book. <laughs> I know I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, the book, like, I, so I was reading Harry Potter at the time this movie came out, and the book was super popular, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and I was like, oh, it's, it's probably like a Harry Potter type oh, yeah. situation. And no, it isn't. It's not. This is an adult book. Yeah. It is for an, adults. A, a book for adults, <laughs> not like The Boy with the Lightning Scar. Yes. That is for is, children. This is definitely for adults. But yeah, watch it if you, I mean, it's the same director as Gone Girl. It's if I were to compare it to other David Fincher movies, it would be Gone Girl and Zodiac. Um, okay. Both like those movies. I love Zodiac. Yeah, they're very similar. I think Zodiac and Gone Girl are better than this one, mm-hmm. but I think this one's also pretty good. Um, and Rooney Mara has a fantastic performance. BB, I think we need to talk about Kevin. Do we need to talk about Kevin? 
I've been thinking it for a while, but I'm glad you're bringing it up. I think we really need to talk about all Kevin. Right, all right. Uh, fucking Kevin. <laughs> and that's what uh, Tilda Swinton and John C. Riley should have done in the movie. We need to talk about Kevin. Okay, all right. Uh, I thought you were talking about Kevin Bacon because he also played an invisible man. No, no. Um, I did not see any movie starring Kevin Bacon. I saw his week. CG dick in that movie. Oh, boy. Yeah. I thought he was supposed to be invisible. Well, he, well, he's turning invisible. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I gotcha. But yeah, they, Tilda Swinton and John C. Riley really needed to talk about Kevin in this movie starring Tilda Swinton and John C. Riley and Ezra Miller as Kevin. What a cast. Yeah. Um, also, wait, Kevin was played by two other people, too. Whoa. He was played by a guy named Rock. Actually, a toddler named Rock. Oh. Rock Dewar. <laughs> Rock Dewar? <laughs> What? <laughs> Doer is spelled D U E R. <laughs> That's like Doer. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you do remember the old Jake and Amir sketch with uh, Ben Schwartz. Yes, of where course. he comes in yes. and makes up names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, hey, so what's your name? Um, Rock, Rock Doer. Rock uh, Doer. Rock Doer. <laughs> uh, yes, he played Kevin as a toddler, and then Jasper Newell played Kevin as a six to eight year old officially on the on the uh, on the cast. Oh, okay, came. there you go. And then Ezra Miller came in as the teenage Kevin. As the titular Kevin. The titular teenage Kevin. Yeah. Teenage dream. And uh, you know how we talk a lot about movies with bad dads? Yeah. This is a bad mom. <gasps> bad mom movie. But was it a good dad? It was actually a very good dad. Oh shit. John they C. finally Riley. did it. John C. Riley was a great ass dad. Wow, they movie. figured it out. Hey, chalk one. I'll put the one on my whiteboard next to the forty billion other <laughs> bad dad uh, hatch, hatch marks I have uh, right on the other side of the whiteboard. Yeah, uh, but Kevin was not. They. I'll tell you what. This might be a bit of a spoiler, but they definitely needed to talk about. Kevin. Oh man! And did they? Did no. they? Oh, of course. <laughs> they. I mean. Yeah, it might be a little bit of a spoiler, but they didn't talk about Kevin, and that caused some bad things to happen. That's also not a spoiler because the it's like one of those movies where they're like in the in the present, and they're like flashing back to this big event that mm-hmm. Kevin did, and you're the whole movie is just basically you waiting to find out what did he do? What did Kevin do? Um, this movie is fantastic. Oh my god. Oh, this movie's great. And Tilda Swinton plays a great bad mom. Mm. And you really are like, you're a bad mom. And I don't like you, Tilda Swinton. Yeah, get out of here. And John C. Riley's a good dad. And you're like, oh, you're such a nice dad, John C. Riley. I really like you. Yeah, thank God for John C. Riley playing a dad. And you're like, Kevin, why are you such a dick? And then sometimes Kevin says things that make sense. And you're like, no, you're just like the Joker. (laughs) Stop it. Oh, wait, this. Oh, yeah, this is. This is also a better version of Joker. Oh, okay, sweet. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is also uh, this, a similar plot to Joker um, and was better. Does does Kevin go on a talk show at the end? No, but there's a similar. Oh, okay. He dances down a flight of stairs. I got it. Yes. Yeah. Um, he does go on a talk show, but it's. I won't talk okay. about it anymore. Okay. Yes, there is a similar thing, but that's not... It, he goes on a talk show, but it's not the main thing. All right, Todd Phillips. More movies you've copied to make the movie Joker. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, God, I this might be the best week of movies I've ever seen. Wow. Like, honestly. <laughs> Except for you watched one on a plane. 
Yeah. Um, I All of these were on a plane except the one I saw yesterday. Um, but the other two I saw on a plane. Um, do you know Denis? Denis Villeneuve? D- Denis Villeneuve? Villeneuve? The, the, the man who's, who's making Dune? From Canada. Is he from um, Canada? He is from. He is a French Canadian. He's oh, wow. from Quebec. Um, what? Speaking of decades, what a decade for this man. Yeah. Um, Arrival, Blade Runner twenty four nine, Sicario, Prisoners, Enemy, and that's in addition to the movie I just saw called Incendies, which I thought I loved. Arrival. I thought I loved. Blade Runner 2049. Incendies blows those movies out of the water. Oh, shit. I was like, I thought I saw the best of the best with Denis here. Denis no, doing everything. Apparently, his 2010 Incendies, um, which is a French film, and it does play, take place in Canada, so he's back to his okay. roots And here. it's it's spoken in French? Yes, I it see? is spoken okay. in... It's spoken in French and some Middle Eastern language. Oh, okay. That I, because it takes place... There, it's it's a mystery film that starts in Canada and eventually goes to the Middle East. Okay, but the plot twist in this movie is insane. That's all I'll say. Okay, this movie is really good and hooked me from the first mm-hmm. shot, um, just right away. Great, um, which by the way is actually this picture I'm looking at a letterbox. It's oh. this banner picture. Oh wow, it's the first shot of the movie basically. Oh okay, um, and I was all in because they they're playing. They had that shot and they had a Radiohead song playing uh, under it, and okay. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, there you go, metal. So another, I gave this four and a half. Now can but, I take a can I take a crack at guessing the plot twist? <laughs> yes. Okay. They go <laughs> hear hear me out. They go from Canada to the Middle East, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to speak their language, so they spend like let's say two hours trying to figure out how to speak the language. And when they do, they realize that all middle Easterners can see through time. (laughs) And by learning their language, they also see through time. That's a rival. That's no, I don't think, I think that's, (laughs) I think that's all of his movies, right? Oh yeah, that is all. It's like how in Blade Runner, he uh, learned to speak robot and then he could see through time. Oh wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Think about it. This is, I, all his, (laughs) I can't wait for Dune. Yeah. Do the same thing. Dune. Yeah. Where they speak sandworm language and see through time. That's how it was in Prisoners Mm -hmm. and Enemy too. And we actually, there's a lot of, there are a lot of plot twist movies Denny has done, I guess. This one, Arrival does have a plot twist. There's no plot twist in Blade Runner, is there? Uh, not really. No. If there is, they don't tell you the and plot twist. Enemy, you have to come up with it. Enemy has a plot twist as well. Mm-hmm. So those three. Prisoners does not have a plot twist. That movie's just a brutal movie. With it. They're like, we don't need a plot twist. This movie's just brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I gave that four and a half. By the way, I gave We Need to Talk About Kevin four and a half and Girl Dragon Tattoo four. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I gave both John Wick two and three four and a half. Nice. It, John Wick 3 would have been a 5, I think. Actually, I don't know. I My numbers are always shifting around, which is why I don't like the numbered star scale. But, like, John Wick Chapter 3 has the most insane action, but I feel like it dragged on for a little bit too long. I felt fatigued by the okay. end of it. Um, yeah. Usually don't want to feel fatigued. Yeah. It, I mean, it's fatiguing because also John Wick was so tired by the end of that movie. <laughs> he had to kill so many people. I feel for John Wick. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I feel like I've been doing this. <laughs> I feel like I've been running through this hotel, murdering everything that moves. That's actually a psychological thing. I learned that in yeah. psychology. Oh, if okay. you watch someone do something, your brain, the same, like the same 
what is it? The same like mechanisms in your brain go off as oh. if you were doing it. Wow. So the same like neurons fire. So if you watch me write something down, your brain, your brain pencil oh, writing neurons wow. also fire. Okay. I wish that worked for like the rest of the body so I could just watch John Wick and then be ripped afterwards. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. Then you could work out just by yeah. watching people work. By, by watching John Wick on repeat. Your muscles also. Yeah. Realize. And I'd also be really good at shooting guns. That would be good. They should eventually like hook up the brain so that works mm-hmm. to your muscles. Yeah. And like it has the neurons fire off mm-hmm. and then it like vibrates your muscles. Yeah. It's just like a something. big exosuit that moves around for me. You yeah. know, it's it like is. when you're in a coma and they have to like massage your muscles so yeah. they don't atrophy. That's good. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. Well, we should, I'll get on it. I'll talk to Marty about we it later. We should make this movie about like inventions now. Or not this movie, this podcast. <laughs> a podcast about invention inventions. ideas? Yes. yes okay. Yes. Oh, man. What if you had like a boat, but then it like turned into a plane? Whoa. What if it was like a boat plane? <laughs> That's sick. That'd be nuts, Is that dude. in the Cars movies? Because it should be. Yeah, we'll make it. We'll do that and we'll do use Cars 4 as a promotion. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the next movie I saw on a plane was called Short Term 12. That could have been a boat plane. Yeah, it was not about a boat plane. It was about, it was a sad movie. Oh. It was also good. Oh. And it made me sad. Well, sometimes good movies make you sad. And Brie Larson was in it. Oh. But she wasn't Captain Marvel. Oh. And that's what made me sad. Well, <laughs> I feel like Brie Larson sort of nails it on the sad ones because she also did Room. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen Room. That's also uh, a movie I need to see for this decade. Okay. Right? Um, so I'm going to see a lot of Brie Larson movies. Yeah. This movie had actually a lot of big star, big stars of now when oh, they were younger. Okay. So It's like a wet, hot American summer. Yeah. Lake Heath Stanfield was in it. He was the star of the Sorry to Bother You from last uh, okay. year. He was also in Get Out. He was... Um, yeah, he's in Get Out. He's going to be in Knives Out, which is a movie oh, we're sweet. hopefully going to see for this podcast. Yeah, we, I would say we definitely are. Yeah. Um, also included Caitlin Dever, who was the star of this year's big, big flick, Booksmart. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rami Rami Malek was in it. The Mr. Robot. Yes. And he, Freddie Mercury. Which he was the, he was like the... Um, so this movie's sad, and he was the comic relief, oh. which he never is. Oh <laughs> in yeah, anything. I feel so. like I haven't seen Mister Robot. Isn't he supposed to be he's funny supposed in to be that? Kind of, he's like a sarcastic, okay. funny type thing. Um, but in this one, he was like specifically the stupid character. Oh okay. Which I've never seen him play the stupid character, yeah. so that was interesting. Yeah, this movie's sad, and if you want to see a depressing movie about basically orphan people. And Brie Larson taking care of them, even though she's also basically an orphan person. Oh my God, orphans taking care of orphans. Yeah. Um, then watch it's like Batman. Watch this movie because it, it it's a charming movie. It's a well written, charming movie. Four stars. All right, there you go. Good movie week. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, it, it, it hasn't even begun, BB. Yeah. Jesus. No, we're getting into it. Because yesterday I saw <laughs> Nine or Niner. Oh, no. Nine or Niner oh. come in. What? <laughs> uh, John, do you mind if I take this? Yeah. Go ahead. That's. Yeah. That's important. Uh, this is Niner Niner. Uh, go, go ahead, truck man. This is truck man. I got your delivery ready. Uh, I'm going to be around the bend in about two minutes. Over. Oh, great. Thank you, truck man. Is that, uh, a, is that Amazon? What? No, it's... Not, hold on. Uh, yeah, truck man. I'll, uh, I'll meet you down at the loading bay. Uh, you, you got my stuff? Over. Yeah, I got your stuff. Uh, it's all ready to go. Just got to pick it up. Over. I don't know why I did the static before the over that time. That was weird. Over. <laughs> All right, truck man, I'll, I'll see you down there. Over and out. 
All right, John, I just got to pick something up. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, just give me a minute. Uh, you can hold on to this by yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Just do uh, just do this, and I'll be right back. Uh, yeah, BB's leaving. Uh, Martin, Martin, can you give me like a younger BB, younger BB version like you did? You did for Oh, wait. Hello? Did you go eat? That's a big package. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, uh, I'm uh, back. I... I got to deal with uh, the the truck guy. He drives. He delivers all the all the reviews to Metacritic and you know oh, Rotten Tomatoes and Yelp. Wow. He lets me skim Carter some off the top. You know, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I take some off the top before they get to their final place. And, uh, I always wondered how that worked. Yeah. No, no. It's uh, all paper apparently. Wow. Yeah, you have to write in. So uh, I just grabbed a big stack and I'll start uh, shuffling yeah. through them. All right, cool. I'm gonna close cool, cool, this cool, cool, door cool. so yeah. the the cat doesn't get in. And Marty, stay out there. Get out of here, Marty. Uh. Ugh, all right. Um, let's see. Uh, we got reviews. Anything good? Anything good this week for a supercuts? Uh, we got reviews for uh, the Chuck E. Cheese down the street. No, uh, we God. got reviews uh, for Sunset Boulevard. Who's still reviewing that? Come on, <laughs> come crap. on. That's an old movie. Uh, oh, here we go. All right. Um, uh, in this. Uh, stack of reviews i seem to have found some reviews for terminator dark fate oh my god and we watched terminator 2 uh, we watched, not too long we ago basically watched terminator dark fate uh, and terminator dark fate i believe is terminator 6 at oh, this point or cool. also if you will terminator 3 colon 3 <laughs> the course. third terminator it's their third attempt yes. at doing terminator 3 i love it um and we unfortunately have not been able to see terminator dark fate it's been getting some pretty meh reviews. Mm. Uh, I've heard some people like it. I've heard the wonderful praise that is the best Terminator sequel since Terminator 2, which means it's not hard to be literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost impossible to not make the right. best Terminator sequel since BB, Terminator 2. I've basically seen this movie. I've seen the ads so much on They're Twitch. everywhere. <laughs> the, like, the only ad that exclusively plays on my Twitch is for Terminator Dark Fate. Yeah. Um, apparently, Twitch got around to hear, hear that I like movies, and they said, oh, this is the one movie gamers like. <laughs> this is like. a movie. <laughs> this is the one movie gamers like. We're going we're gonna to make one for the gamers. <laughs> That's what the... Uh, Tim Miller said when he uh, started directing this movie. He's <laughs> like, listen, James Cameron, you had your time. <laughs> this one's for the gamers. Now we're making one for the gamers. <laughs> and that's why Arnold is just wigging Mountain Dew the whole time. Yeah. And, you know. And Sarah Connor's like, I don't like you, Arnold. Gamers rise up. <laughs> yeah, the Terminator comes back from the future, and he's like, the gamers rose up too hard. G-G-E-Z, gamers. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're like the aimbots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Terminators essentially are aimbots. Yeah, true. So the gamers have to get rid of them. True. John Connor was the first gamer. That sounds like Pixels to me. Yeah. Pixels should have just been, Adam Sandler should have been like a strong, like a nerdy gamer. No, they they should have called, I think he was supposed to be a nerdy gamer in that movie. Yeah, but he wasn't that good of one. He was yeah. too funny. He's yeah. Adam Sandler. He's guy. <laughs> That's my problem with Pixels. It was too funny. <laughs> this is a serious film, Adam Sandler. Yeah. Come on, Adam Sandler. I'm going to die from laughter here. Uh, this review of Terminator Dark Fate from comes from Oki to. Tep- Tapacy. <laughs> Oki Tapki. Is this Rock Doer's brother? Yes. <laughs> Oki Tapki uh, gave Terminator Dark Fate one star. And here's what I like about Oki Tapki is he's seen through the veil. 
Mm. He sees Hollywood. He took the the sunglasses from They Live and he put them right on his eyeballs. He knows what they're doing. He knows the yeah. business side. And he me. he knows that Hollywood has got this agenda. Oh. He sees that when they put a woman in a movie, oh. it's uh, you can if you have more than two women in a movie, John, it's political now. Yeah, that's politics. That is politics. Women being in places is politics. <laughs> I once saw three women in a Chipotle, and I was like, like oh. "You're going to get a bit too political here, yeah. sir." Come on, you're you're it's shoving my, your agenda down my throat, my Chipotle. Elsewhere, Chipotle. I'm going to go to Taco Bell now, <laughs> and then there's like a woman at the ca- ca- cash register. And you're like, "God damn it! It's everywhere now." They used to make Mexican restaurants better back in the day. Um. So. Okitapaki, Okitapsi, Okitapsi says uh, this scathing message to Hollywood. When will Hollywood learn a lesson and cut the crap with all this woke BS? When will the pseudo Marxist, oh boy, and oh, when will the pseudo Marxist encroachment in Hollywood end? How can you manage to fail hot chicks and explosions type of movie? As we know, Terminator historically a hot chicks and explosions Never type of movie. That. <laughs> no, uh, there was probably has been that. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing: is Terminator one and two had a woman in it, but it was only one, and it was nice for me to look at, so not political. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How? There's an ellipsis. Oh yeah, yeah. This movie sucks. Even by the oh, let's just. Even by the, oh, let's just go to that movie on an early Sunday for lulls and sit alone in the theater making fun of it, standards. Oh. That is the full review. he wanted it to be, like, he wanted it to be so bad it was good. He either wanted it to be so bad it was good or not feature women. Oh. Those were his two uh, things that he wanted. Yeah. Well, Dolomite should have put that in his criteria for a good yeah. film. <laughs> a, Dolomite has the perfect standard for a good movie. Um, which, which changes, will, by the way. <laughs> it does change. It only changes slightly yeah, yeah. from what I remember. Yes. but uh, He's got to update it. And this is the mm-hmm. new The new one is what this guy's saying. Yeah. He wants it to be, the movie has to be so bad it's good. Mm-hmm. Also, only one woman in it. Yes. One woman. Unless. If it's one woman, then it can still be a good movie, right? That's what he's saying. Yeah, but there, if there are going to be more than one woman, they have to be nude. Yes, That's they have to be nice Hot for girls. me to look. I have yes. to have a boner. If it's an in ugly the girl, like there can be two girls if they're both hot, but if mm-hmm. it's one, two girls, one's hot, one's ugly. Yeah, you're skirting the this line. This is a bad there. movie. Yeah, like immediately, I'm just like, this is a bad movie. Listen, if you have one ugly woman, you have to double your explosions. <laughs> yeah. You have to have twice as many explosions oh, to yeah. make up for the ugly. Oh woman. yeah, no yeah. doubt. Uh, but he did give it one. He could have given it zero, and he gave it one. This is classic Metacritic. Yeah, so there, there's clearly, like, something. There was one point worth of entertainment in that movie somewhere, and he does not mention it. Also, what's up with these people and their ellipses? What, they all just do the dot, dot, dots? Yeah, he, that was the whole sentence, actually. Oh. It's how in all, ca- all caps, and then dot, 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 and then it starts a new sentence. So just put a period yeah. or a question mark because he's asking. Yeah, no, no, it could be a statement. How? <laughs> like, and how? Oh, okay. Uh, how? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe and, he was uh, like trying to call out Ron Howard. Oh, but how? he, he only remembered three letters of his name. Oh, yeah. Like, come on. That's what he calls Ron Howard. He's like, yeah. how? Oh, what's up? How? Direct this movie. Yeah. Instead of yeah. the other. It's the Tim. Please, please replace Tim Miller. <laughs> Is it Tim Miller? I don't know who directed this movie. T.J. Well, Miller was in Deadpool. T.J. Di- Miller. Who directed? Tim Miller directed Deadpool. Yes. Wait, that's 
That's narcissism. <laughs> Tim Miller is TJ Miller's dad, right? What? No. I don't know. <laughs> I was have the like, same last name. Yeah, right? I, and that's true. If you have the same last name, then you are legally the person's father. <laughs> I like how... Wait, was Deadpool like sponsored by Mike's Hard Lemonade? Because uh, in this picture of Tim Miller, there's oh, Deadpool yeah. and then Mike's Hard Lemonade. There's like a stack of Mike's Hard Lemonades behind him. Interesting. Tim Miller does not look like TJ Miller, no. so I don't think they're related. Yeah, but he did direct Deadpool and then Terminator Dark Fate. Yes, those are his... That's that's his catalog, per mm-hmm. se. Pretty good. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's our, our critics corner. What a real critic. I enjoy it. Yeah, a true critic among fake woke Hollywood BS critics and I guess people who are pseudo Marxists mm-hmm. <laughs> because everyone knows Marxism is when there's three women in a movie. Yes, <laughs> that's that's what I read. It was <laughs> that so. was the uh, that was the main statement of Karl Marx. <laughs> Karl Marx always used to say <laughs> we, we must destroy the bourgeoisie <laughs> and also put more than one woman in a Hollywood movie. Oh, my God. This guy's insane. <laughs> oh, God. The tenets of Marxism. <laughs> They're destroying our culture. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, but, Great critics. Yeah, corner. I'm glad Round I got that. to the truck driver. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to the truck driver. He actually pulled it off last minute this week. Yeah, great um, job. Most you weeks, get those early. I get it early, but yeah, he he made a rush delivery, and by that I mean he stopped here before going to the places yes, the reviews were actually going to be. Yeah, a critic. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I I can't wait to not see that movie, BB. Yeah, me too. I might see it on like streaming one day. Yeah, maybe. Uh, do you think they be. would even? Do you think they would even want it to be on their screen? Would they be like, "No, I decline this movie." There are too many. Here's women the thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the Netflix guys will read this review and be like, "You know what? <laughs> He's right. <laughs> we just lost all our Disney content, but I don't care. I'm not accepting anything. <laughs> we we are only. It is Netflix for men now. We're rebranding Disney's for women. <laughs> <laughs> Girls and women only. <laughs> Netflix is for the boys. For the, oh, God. They've rebranded the bar stool sports, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw one more movie. Oh, okay. I guess. Um, which is a movie I think maybe we should have an episode for on this podcast because oh. it came out in 2019. Okay. And I think it is a really, 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 really good movie. And the movie story. was? Marriage Story. Story. Yes, this just came out. Noah Baumbach, director of Francis Ha, which is another one of my favorite movies. Ah. Um, he has partners with Greta Gerwig, everyone's favorite. Yes, Greta. Every, everyone's, everyone's favorite Greta. It's <laughs> favorite Greta. Greta no, Gerwig. No better Gretas the than the Gerwig. The little woman, the lady bird, mm-hmm. Greta Gerwig. Um, and I also found out that they are much old, like Noah Baumbach's like 13 years old than <laughs> Greta Gerwig. Oh, okay. But that's a, that's a story for another day. Cause this movie, Oh, they're like in a relationship. They are in a mean. relationship okay. and they have a child together. Oh, okay. Well, did you hear about Keanu? Uh, Keanu's Keanu got a, a girlfriend now. Yeah. How yeah. young is she? She's only, I think like nine or 10 years younger than him. Okay. So they, that's similar. They here. match well enough. Okay. For, by Hollywood standards, it's impressive. Yes. Uh, honestly, I did this. I'm not making fun of Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig either mm-hmm. because their relationship created one of my favorite movies, Francis Ha. So okay. I don't, I, worth I, it. It created a, a great movie. So date and have a baby as much as you want. Yeah. But, uh, Noah Baumbach's previous relationship created this movie, uh, because he dated, 
what's the girl's name? Jenna, Jason, Jennifer, Jason Lee. Jennifer, Jason Lee. And Mary was married to her, and they got divorced, and that birthed this movie, The Marriage Story. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not a very successful story, I guess. <laughs> yes, it is a funny title, but this movie, oh my, this movie, I love it. Like I do, it immediately reminded me of that movie on the wall over there, La La Land. Oh, well, La La Land. Um, because, surprisingly, this movie is scored by Randy Newman. Oh, You've got a friend in me? You got a friend in me. <laughs> You've got a marriage story. <laughs> you got a marriage story. If if the credits rolled and that song was playing. Wow, perfect film. I already gave this movie five stars. Spoiler. Oh, okay. So I couldn't make it. I would give it five and a half stars of Randy Newman. Yeah. So this movie's really good. Maybe BB will see it and we'll talk about it more. Yeah, later. sure. So, uh, yeah, that's all I'll keep it at right now. Go watch it if you're in L.A. No, LA don't go there. watch it. Go watch It Chapter 2 yeah. and then watch, and then watch marriage, marriage Story if you're in New York or That's LA. actually the secret uh, It Chapter 3 yes. is Marriage Story. Oh, actually, this movie comes out on Netflix on December 6th. So oh, if, so I'll just watch it then. Yeah. So if you don't want to support filmmakers, watch it on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch on Netflix, you don't support anyone. Oh, also, I saw this movie on... This wasn't digital. This was on film. Whoa. I'm an auteur. That's not what auteur means. Like, not even a little bit. <laughs> I'm a cinephile. <laughs> that, sure. Closer. Cool. Uh, so you saw it, like, on film? Where did you see it? At the Vista Theater. Oh, okay. In East Hollywood, California. Wow, East Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, no one usually goes there. No one right ever talks to, about... Right next yeah. to Silver Lake, but no one talk, everyone talks about Silver Lake. They don't talk about East Hollywood. Yeah, we got Hollywood, we have West Hollywood, and we have North Hollywood. And then there's East Hollywood. East Hollywood is just when you nothing. Go, you know you're in East Hollywood when you see these banners on like the light poles that say you're in East Hollywood. That's the only way anyone would know. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing else there besides the Vista Theater. Yep. And, and it's next to Silver Lake. Yep. Uh, yeah, good movie. Uh, oh, yeah, Adam Dra- Driver deserves a freaking Oscar. I love Adam Driver. He was, he was great in this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is another movie where Scarlett Johansson's good, too. So. Oh, sweet. Good movie. We saw a movie today, though, together. We did this. see a movie today this together. This podcast is titled based off of. Yes. We saw Dolomite Is My Name. It is? No. Oh, it's Eddie Murphy's. Matt Beebe is my name. It's Eddie Murphy's name. It's Yeah, it is Eddie. <laughs> it's not even his name. He legally changed his name. Yeah, to Dolomite to play the character of Rudy Ray Moore. I mean, that's good method acting. Yeah. <laughs> change your name to your character's character's name that's what ryan gosling does, yeah i heard yeah well because he changed his name to drive for a little while so he was drive gosling yeah and it was yeah i was really impressed by um that one he changes his name to balding as well balding gosling Bald, yeah for, for Blue uh, valentine, Blue valentine yeah design, yep. and then he changed his name to uh Ridley Scott Gosling for Terminator. Uh, Terminator, Terminator. Shit. And he was in Terminator Dark Fate. Like, he, hey, hey, dude, Ridley Scott didn't have anything to do with the Terminator movies. He's like, what? He was alive during them, right? He was around. <laughs> he he was, must have been around. He watched it. Have you seen it? Here's, here's the connection. Ridley Scott directs Alien. Ooh. James Cameron directs Alien. Aliens. Also directed the first two Terminators. Terminator was directed by James, James Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> So they they must have been friends then. Yeah, they, I'm sure they hung out all the time, and that's why Ryan Gosling oh. went ahead and changed his name to Ridley Scott Gosling. Dang, we need to get Gosling on this cast. Oh, uh, we'll get him one day. He would be if he saw my La La Land poster, he'd be like, "Dude, that's me." Oh, dude, that's sick. I'm on that poster. <laughs> I'm on that, I'm on that yeah. goddamn poster. 
Uh, and then he would look at that one and be like, what is this? He'd probably get super racist about yeah, my, it, cur- my, my handmaiden poster in Korean. Oh, hand, that, what language is that even? <laughs> is that one of those languages that lets you see through time? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like you just see a rival. He's like, yeah, I had to watch it before I w- played the Blade Runner 2049 or whatever. Yeah, they made me. <laughs> I still don't get it. I had to watch Enemy and Prisoner and I cried. <laughs> I was so sad. And I've never cried before in my life. Jake Gyllenhaal was scary in that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We saw Dolomite yes. is my name on <laughs> Netflix. S- Ryan Gosling wasn't in this movie. No. There were very few white people in this T. movie. T.I. was in this movie. Yeah. Did you hear the news about T.I.? I did not. What happened to T.I.? T.I. in an interview said that he takes his 18-year-old daughter oh, to the gynecologist. no, yes. Can we have an aside? I know we're delaying talking about Dolomite is my name, but, but hold T. on. T.I. was in this movie, so technically we so, are. Okay, so that's awful. But here's the other thing. You have to question any gynecologist you go to. For those who don't know the story, T.I. apparently takes his daughter to the gynecologist and has the gynecologist check her hymen to make sure it is intact, therefore signaling that she is a virgin. Eighteen-year-old woman. Her eighteen, his eighteen-year-old female daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this is awful. <laughs> so bad. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. But also, you have to question a gynecologist who does this because here's the thing, everyone: your hymen doesn't actually indicate if you're a virgin or not. You yeah. can have sex for the first time, and your hymen could not tear you also it also can tear from physical activity yes and here's the other thing is like it doesn't have to ever tear <laughs> at all in your life if if the sex is fine and it's not like crazy then it's probably going to stay yeah. intact so there's a gynecologist out here and ti walks in and he's like i need you to check my daughter's <laughs> vagina for her virginity and instead of the gynecologist being like well that's not a good thing that i should do he's like yeah sure ti I'll do that. Yeah. He, <laughs> to be fair, according to the interview, the mm. gynecologist does explain to T.I. that this isn't going to signify it. Oh, okay. And he says and tells T.I., by the way, this could break from physical activity too, not just sex. Mm-hmm. This could break from her. And T.I.'s response to <laughs> it could break from physical activity was she doesn't do that shit. Oh, no. <laughs> she doesn't work out. She doesn't run. She doesn't move. Oh, oh God. <laughs> T.I.Y. Well, my star rating of Dolomite has lowered now. Just because t- I don't even know who T.I. Play- yeah. played Walter Crane. Okay. I don't remember. I don't also don't remember a Walter Crane. Yeah. So I, I don't remember T.I. being in this movie at all. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of there are a lot of stars in this movie, though. Chris Rock is just has a random yeah. thing. In Snoop here. Doggy Dog in the Snoop first Doggy scene. Dog. Okay. We should do non spoiler. Yeah. Thoughts. Uh, general thoughts. I thought it was good. Uh, it's very much in the vein of like a, an Ed Wood or a disaster artist, uh, yes. a movie about making a bad movie. Very, very reminiscent of uh, disaster artist for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is all like that movie I saw. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you knew like nothing about Rudy Ray Moore coming in. Mm-hmm. I only knew a little bit there. Uh, the red letter media guys talk about him on a few of their like best of the worst episodes where they watch old B movies. Gotcha. Uh, which is, I was very familiar with the bitch. Are you for real? <laughs> That's like his most famous like line. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was good. I wouldn't say it was necessarily great. And I'd be very curious as to like what some of the real stories were. Cause it seems like this, this had like, a ho- the most Hollywood ending yeah. of any Hollywood ending. Yeah. 
Uh, so I'd, I'd be very curious to see like what they changed to, to make this movie. Yeah. Um, I also think it was good. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it wasn't great. Wasn't stand out to me. I got bored at some points. Mm -hmm. Um, and at some, I don't know, at some points the tones like were roller coastering. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like at one point they were doing, at one point he was doing a Kung Fu scene or I should, this is like spoiler stuff, I guess. Yeah. But at one point he was there at one point they were like, Oh, this guy's actually pretty cool. And then they were like, no, he's, this guy's ridiculous. How could he ever yeah. make it in this town? Yeah. He's just like sort of this weird older dude. Um, I will say Eddie Murphy is probably the best in this than he oh, has yeah. been in anything in a while. Yeah, great. He man. actually like gives a shit in this movie, um, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, yeah, and a lot of a lot of good talent around him too. Of course, Craig Robinson is there playing the black guy who sings uh-huh. as he is in literally every movie mm-hmm. and TV show. Never seen. I, he, I guarantee he just acts. Even in this movie, I feel like he's acting like himself. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like himself. you think about it, on The Office, he played the keyboard and sang. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this movie, he plays the piano and sings. In Brooklyn Nine Nine, he plays the piano and sings. Like he, it's his one character. There's got to be a scene in like t- Hot Tub Time Machine where he does that, right? He, I, I have to imagine he at least sings in that movie, if nothing else. Yeah. Um. About that, there is a song about the Hot Tub Time Machine in the movie, if I recall correctly. Oh damn! I think they, or maybe I'm thinking of The Hangover, where they sing about tigers. Mm. But yeah, um, yeah. There's a the star star studded. Mm-hmm. Um, not too not too many white people in this movie, obviously, because yeah. it's mostly about about black people. Yeah. So why 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 does there need to? Yeah. Be? Why put white people in there at all? Um. Except that one guy was in it. Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk was in it. Yeah, he shows up at the end. When he had to call Saul. Yeah, he he did call Saul. Yeah. Um, I would say... Well, Saul called. Oh, that's true. It's the <laughs> it's the mythical, the legendary Saul call. <laughs> Saul uh, call you. Yeah, so let's... I guess we can get this on Netflix, by the way, for people yeah. who haven't seen it yet. If really you easy to, to watch. I'm going to see it. Just turn on your TV, go to the Netflix app, and then mm-hmm. you press play. It's so easy to, to get to Spoiler Town for this one because you can just do it from your couch. Yes, just you can go do that and uh, pause the podcast. All right, we have pulled up into Spoiler Town. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, so uh, what do we even talk about first? I guess... The the first I don't even know if you could call it the first act, but like the first part of the movie, with him like building up his comedy career and everything like that, I felt was probably the most sluggish for me. It it feels like they take a long time to finally get to we should make a movie, which is really what the movie is yeah. more or less about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Now that now that I think about this movie more, it more and more reminds me of even though it. It's somewhat about music, but it more and more reminds me of these biopics, mm-hmm. um, specifically like Bohemian Rhapsody and that other one I talked about, the John Elton Rocket. Yeah, um, it kind of reminds me of that. I think it reminds me more of that than the Disaster Artist because the Disaster Artist felt less less Hollywoody and beefed like sort of sparkled up. And yeah, it was. It was definitely like trying to honor Rudy Ray Moore where, you know, the disaster artist, I think in a way was trying to celebrate the room, but like you had those weird tensions with Tommy Wiseau and uh, Greg Sestero and, you know, Tommy Wiseau is kind of the bad guy throughout most of that movie. Yeah. Um, And that also the movie has like slightly less of a Hollywood ending, but still sort of like happy for them. Yeah. 
Um, um, but yeah, this movie, I would say beat for beat, like hits every checkbox for a biopic type movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think the one thing that separates it from them is it's it's got soul, dude. Yeah, it's definitely got like style <laughs> it's and got its own thing, a, a real sense of place. Like yeah. you can it, nothing in this movie feels like it wasn't in the 70s. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what what I knew nothing about um, Rudy Raymar going into this, but I imagine this is <laughs> this movie like represents what he was like. Yeah, basically. So. Yeah, I've I've seen bits of, of his movies. I'd say Eddie Murphy plays him a little bit sillier than he probably was. Okay. He, from what I've seen, he plays things more deadpan. Mm. Um, there's, he does a, he, a movie called Petey Wheatstraw and there's a scene in it. <laughs> it's just as ridiculous as all the others. Um, he does a scene in it where he's doing stand up comedy, but in the movie, his character is just like insulting people in the audience. Okay. And people are like booing him and he just, what the Joker should have been. Yeah. He, he like, <laughs> someone's like heckling him and he just goes, shut up. And that's it. And he like, that's the end of his set. Shut up. He says like the most matter of fact, shut up you've ever heard. <laughs> um, so he, he does, I think, play a lot of things more deadpan than I think the movie like Dolomite is my name leads on. Yeah. He's very like animated and like cartoonish and even sort of like childish at a lot of points. Um, but it, it was still fun to watch. Like it was a good performance and it was consistent. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah, it puts uh, you on his side. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely puts you on on its side, which maybe one of my complaints. Like, I, maybe I'm just comparing it to Disaster Artist too much because they did the exact opposite. And they're like, "No, nah, this guy's kind of weird." Like, yeah. Tommy Wiseau is kind of weird, and like, you don't really want to root for him. Yeah, it was just one of those things where like Tommy's a mystery, and so he was able to fund like the room just yeah. out of his own pocket. And Rudy Ray Moore sort of does that, but he has the investors backing yeah. him. It's not a mystery. There's never really a moment in this movie where you worry for Rudy Ray Moore. That's true. Like every time they present any kind of tension or drama, like maybe this won't work, the solution sort of comes up pretty quickly. Yeah. And he's on to the next thing. Like show business, baby. It's just him shooting upwards. There's only like a few moments. There's like the moment where they run out of film. They're like, oh man, well, we don't have any more film. You can't shoot a movie without film. And like, you know, we've all been taking low rates and working for free. And the next scene is him just begging, like, can I have 10,000 more dollars? And after like two minutes of he's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. You can have 10,000 more dollars. The movie's back on <laughs> any conflict. Yeah. And then the next conflicts like him, like, I don't think we can play this movie anywhere. And then Chris Rock's like, yeah, you can. Yeah. Here's here's my <laughs> uncle. It's very like all, it's almost deus ex machina in a few different scenarios where you're like how is he going to get out of this and then he just does because like something happens yeah which i guess is that's hollywood baby <laughs> yeah i guess so you make the right connections yeah um but it it does sort of suck any sense of drama or <laughs> or suspense out of this movie film, really. yeah. <laughs> but it's it's you know fun and upbeat but it's also like how, how am i going to get invested unless i they are they're always talking about how he's like the comeback kid and he's never takes no for an answer but it's also like you don't really get that sense because it really feels at times where like things are just handed to him. Yeah. He just asks enough people and eventually someone says, okay. Yeah. So like to compare it to, to the disaster artist once again, sorry, mm-hmm. I think the different, I think the, the disaster artist plays up that struggle a bit more, a lot better mm-hmm. to the point where that final scene where there's a crowd watching his Tommy Wiseau's movie, like mm-hmm. I'm almost stuck. Like I feel like I remember maybe shedding a tear at that moment where he's just in front of all these people and he's like, "Oh my god." Um, there's like a scene like that in this movie as well, 
where he pulls up to the theater and there's like, yeah, it's insanely crowded. Yeah. No emotions felt <laughs> like I was just like, yeah, it's because th- this like, was obviously going to happen. It's what you expected. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, we and like with the room, it's more recent. So we all know what happens with the room. Like it becomes a cult classic. It plays in all these theaters because it's terrible. Yeah. And Tommy Wiseau just sort of owns that. Yeah. And becomes sort of this character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, um, what else happens in this movie? So yeah, the first chunk of the movie is just him like building up a comedy career after sort of failing at a singing career. Uh, and what's funny is he like invents this Dolomite character based off of these stories and rhymes that, uh, these homeless people tell each other. Yeah. Like all these black homeless people in an alleyway, he just goes and records them. And listen to them like telling weird rhymes and stories yeah. and all this stuff, uh, which is funny because I feel like in a lot of Rudy Ray Moore movies, he like does, he like hates homeless people. Oh really? At the end of Petey Wheatstraw, uh, in Petey Wheatstraw, he agrees to marry the devil's daughter, who is super ugly apparently, yeah. uh, and so his solution at the end is to uh, like drug a homeless person, make a mask of his face. And then put that mask on the homeless person, and then he marries the devil's daughter. Oh my god! <laughs> there, I think there's another scene where they like bury a homeless person alive just because they don't like him or something. Jeez. So it is funny to think that like his whole comedy career started just by like taking the stories of all these homeless people and, and, and building like, on that. I hate homeless people. Yeah, <laughs> they say wino in the movie, which is funny because that's like a, I guess, an old term for like a homeless person yeah. is a wino. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he launches his comedy career. Um, here's yeah. another thing. I don't know if you noticed this. Did the sound mix in this movie seem weird? Um, so we had the volume up very loudly, yes. and whenever there was music playing, I could not hear. Usually the dialogue, right? Usually couldn't hear the dialogue. And you have like pretty quality speakers yeah, out there. I have, we have a Bose soundbar. It's yeah. Not- so that was one thing. Is that the it's hard to hear dialogue whenever loud music is playing and it happens a lot in the movie. Yeah. So I thought that was weird. I think that might be a symptom of a lot of these movies are made with like, you know, the game of Thrones issue where you edit this thing and you sound mix it in these big professional studios, but you don't account for what it'll look or sound like on someone's on my Bose. Sound yeah. <laughs> and your home TV, yeah. you know, um, did this movie have a theater run? by the way i don't think so i think this was straight to netflix so this this officially cannot be yeah nominated for an Oscar. i mean there's a chance it played in like a theater somewhere yeah, just true. to be eligible true that's, how long is it like three weeks or something? i think it's two weeks okay because that's like the end of the disaster artist they kept yeah. the room in theaters for two weeks to be eligible mm. for oscars yeah um what and roma was last year yeah and roma won like best foreign film i think mm-hmm. uh, and we're best picture they're we're, nominated we're in the swing of the Irishman's theater run right now yes. before we get it on Netflix. And Marriage Story is probably going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I don't know anything about Irishman, but I hope Marriage Story gets involved in their award season. Yeah. Um, I imagine Irishman will. After after Marty said all that thing about superhero movies, mm-hmm. all the Oscars people are like, yes. Well, unless <laughs> uh, <this> man. <laughs> Endgame's got its uh, its best picture campaign going right now. So Uh-oh. could be nominated. They're could campaigning nominated. for it. Did you hear Robert Downey Jr. just like said, please don't nominate me or oh, don't, wow. he said, don't campaign for me. Oh, sh- Marvel came up to him. They're like, hey, we want to like campaign for you to get nominated for best actor this year for uh, Tony Stark. And he was like, no, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have an inside track. Someone who works for uh, 
what are the I was about to say the Duffer brothers. Who are the who are the guys who directed Endgame? Uh oh, the Russo brothers. Yeah, Russo brothers. He actually works for the production company. Um, and apparently the campaigning not going well so far. I uh, can so, only wonder why. <laughs> so uh don't if you're getting your hopes up for, for Endgame Oscar season, probably don't. Yeah. At least so far. That's that's fair, I'd say. Yeah. Um Dolomite is my name. Yes, that's the movie. My name is... He says it a lot, yeah. too. Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers yeah, is, is my, my game. game. And everyone yeah. shouts it. It's a great, it's a great line. Um, yeah, so he's touring, and he's doing... Yeah, there's just... It's just like a long-winded... Like, I, yeah. I can't separate this movie into I, parts for myself. Yeah, I would have like preferred if the just comedy career thing was tightened up a little bit yeah it was a bit long it was just you know he meets the queen bee she's just like a random person he meets while he's on tour um and he's like making all these albums he gets signed by a record deal and to me the most fun part of the movie was them actually making the dolomite movie yeah um and so when they finally got to that i was like okay like it's picking up now i can get into it but the the comedy career stuff and going on tour just felt like there had to have been a way to condense it a little bit so we weren't sort of stuck in that spot because yeah. there's only so many times you can hear Eddie Murphy rhyming with like bongo yeah. drums in the background. Yeah. So if Eddie Murphy or if, if Rudy Ray Moore was a comedian today, would he be one of those triggered stand-up comics? I don't know <laughs> if he would be any kind of stand-up comic. It's like because his... And here's the thing. is like we're so far removed from this because... The comedy that he presents in this movie is one for people from the 70s and two for black people from the 70s. (laughs) So we are so far beyond the target audience. I (laughs) we both are just like, yeah, "Yeah, I don't find this like, yeah, he's like yelling and rhyming. And I'm like, I guess to them it was really funny, but obviously I didn't get it. But apparently it seemed like the big crux of it was like. I cuss. Yeah, it was (laughs) it was so vulgar and like so over the top. Yeah. That it was just like, you know. Yeah, so the reason I said the triggered thing, I was, would he be one of those guys that's like, we can't say any. Yeah, I can't do comedy anymore. I can't (laughs) rhyme and talk about pussies anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe. I mean, who knows these days? Yeah. Everyone's got a Netflix special called Triggered now. That's that's the big thing. And Rudy Raymond would have been up there there rhyming (laughs) rhyming about millennials and (laughs) I don't know. It's okay boomer okay, boomer that's like my new favorite thing i know a lot of people are tired of it already yeah i'm a big fan of okay boomer yeah i mean i even got okay boomer it's true by Twitter, me by you <laughs> yes so i now i'm sick of it yeah now that i'm a boomer i just like how mad it makes people it's yeah. very funny it is funny <laughs> because it's like nothing especially when it's like <laughs> like it's an opinion that they just like stand by pretty heavily and mm-hmm. someone replies okay okay boomer, boomer. Like, what yeah no! <laughs> did you hear the there was a politician in uh new zealand i think who like was making a speech and one of the other politicians like was trying to call her out during her speech and she just responded, okay, boomer. Oh God. And now everyone's like <laughs> accusing her of ageism. Oh God. <laughs> um, yeah. but I don't think Rudy Ray Moore is a boomer. He's, he's all about freedom and, and titties and explosions. <laughs> Definitely not a boomer. All the good stuff. I can't wait for Trump to call his opponent boomer in the debates. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's what people say, right? Okay, boomer. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> then it would die. Then no one would say it ever again. It's like, oh, God, oh, you ruined it. Dang it. He'll say it about Bernie. And everyone's yeah. like, oh. <laughs> I think I think Trump and Bernie are too old to be boomers at this point. I think they might be. I have I don't no know idea. The age range for boomers. I know my parents are technically. Okay. So, I don't think my parents are boomers. Yeah. I think technically, I don't, the one website says millennials are one age, one says they're different. I don't yeah. know technically what it is. Who decides that? It's Who decides what year is like? There's the like generation? a general age range. It's tough because I think we specifically are on the very like cutoff. Yeah, we're like right, we're between millennial and like Gen. We're, we're on the border. Or X or what we're Z on the or, border of millennial and Gen Z. Uh, Gen Z. Um, so like kids in like high school and college now, I think are Gen Z. And I think we are at least yeah you're 95 also yes. right so i think we are technically millennials okay we're like the very edge the end Dang of those it. yeah being a millennial sucks yeah i wish i could be gen z gen Z's so fucking cool they vape and shit yeah us millennials only have jokes like only 90 yeah. kids remember that and stuff like that and we're barely even 90s kids i know i ba- i only remember half i was only alive for half of it and yeah. i don't even remember it it's rugrats i guess yeah i don't know anyway <laughs> Uh, yeah, so his comedy career, Rudy Ray Moore's comedy career, uh, not as interesting or funny as I think we would have liked it to be, but it was yeah. also just hard to approach because we're just not that audience. Yeah. Um, I respect it. Yeah. I mean, what's great is, and it, I think it translates better in film, honestly, because his character of Dolomite or Petey Wheatstraw or whatever, uh, he does Kung Fu and rhymes and that's like his thing is yep. he just speaks in rhymes and he does awful weird Kung Fu. Yep, um, and those are his rules of movies too. That's yep. what should be in a movie. So they go see. All right, this, where it starts to pick up is when they go see. Uh, the, yeah, I've seen. I really like is where they go see. What what is the movie called? The again? front page, I think. Yeah, front page with Jack Lemon. Um, classic. Yeah, a film classic. Um, but uh, only white people like it. So. Yes, they are in a theater of all white people who are all laughing and having a good time, and, and it's they're these like, like, "What is this?" Yeah, these five black guys who are like, "This sucks." <laughs> Uh yeah, <laughs> and then and that's when Rudy Ray Moore is like, this movie it does it doesn't have the key essentials yeah. of the movie, the three things it needs, which is kung fu, what else? Explosions, <laughs> explosions, and titties. and titties. The three key hallmarks of any movie. So he says, I'm gonna make a movie with those three things. Yeah, and so he does. <laughs> he sure does. And he he recruits Keegan Michael Key to mm-hmm. write it for him. Um. I think his real name was Jerry Jones. Yeah, and that feels like a very truncated like history thing because he goes to see Keegan Michael Key's character is a writer. He writes like stage plays for mm-hmm. small theaters, and they go to see this one stage play that's clearly about you know the black community and how it's being affected by like heroin addictions and all those kinds of drugs. It's very serious and dramatic. And within the span of one few minute scene, he convinces this guy to write his insane titty kung fu like mm-hmm. <laughs> action movie. Of course. <laughs> um, and so it it is very quick. And you're like, it's weird to s- think this guy would jump genres that quickly. Yeah. I, right when I saw this character, I was like, why would he work? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like he's writing other things. He's writing these like dignified plays about really serious issues. Yeah. And he's and like, oh, I'll, I'll do the Dolomite movie. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the movies I just saw includes a playwriter who is very stubborn. And I was like, mm-hmm. 
so I was used to play writers being stubborn. So I was yeah. like, oh, this is the opposite of a movie I just saw. Yeah, but he's all in for the kung fu. They pitch an exorcism at some point. Yeah. Uh, which which doesn't get into he doesn't, the movie. Yeah, yeah. Key, yeah. Key, or Jerry Jones ain't about that. Mm-hmm. He's like, no. Um, yeah, so the movie does shoot a movie. I mean, he get, he basically sells like the rights to all of his his comedy albums yeah. and everything to make this movie. He's going all in. Yeah. So in the executive setup, like if this movie bombs, we own all the rights to everything. You won't make another cent off of like any Dolomite or Rudy Raymore properties. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, so there's your stakes right there. Yep. But immediately when they said that, uh, there were the stakes were taken out of my mind. to be honest, yeah. I was immediately like, that's not happening. It was hard. It was hard to make it feel real. I yeah. feel like, cause it's, you know, I mean, money stuff's always sort of abstract, but it was also the movie was way more focused on just like Rudy getting this movie made and sort yeah. of staying positive. Yeah. Kind of, st- I don't know. Some like, I think these biopic movies work better when it's like about their personal life because some of the, like I didn't like Bohemian Rhapsody, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that much about Freddie Mercury's personal life. I knew some things. I didn't know what mm-hmm. his personal life would amount to or how the movie would end. Yeah. Same with John. I actually knew nothing about other John's personal life. So mm-hmm. the fact they both decided to focus on his personal life more than their careers, because I know what their careers are about. They're majorly successful yeah. musical artists who create great music and I didn't know who Rudy Ray Moore was, but I knew he was, he actually created movies that were pop, like at least some people watched. Yeah. And were They're good. like cult classics. So the fact that the main stakes and plot of this movie were, is he going to do it? Is kind of annoying to me. Yeah. Because I was like, he is going to do it. It I is a that. good point. Like we really don't get any insight into his personal life for pretty much this whole movie. It's, Almost exclusively doesn't just even, about his career. Doesn't even have like a romantic. Yeah, there's there's no like all of his relationships are platonic. He gets to the point where he like sells his apartment to fund the movie. And so he's living in this like old hotel where they shoot the whole movie. Um, but that's like it. There's no, you know, the, you know, all these biopics usually have like substance abuse or romantic plot lines yeah, this or, felt more like a wikipedia page than other biopics yeah things. and not that every biopic should just be about like drug abuse and yeah yeah that which, kind of stuff but it it's harder to care when it's just this guy doing his job like yeah. really trying to do it even like the disaster artist has that through line of one the mystery of who the fuck is tommy way yeah. and then also his relationship with uh, Greg Sestero. Disaster Artist works the best out of all four movies we've mentioning here, as far as biopics go, because Tommy Wiseau doesn't give a shit. That, yeah, that that James Franco and these people are tra- are like sort of just putting his like raw life out there, mm-hmm. um, and even his huge mistakes he makes, and even though he looks like an awful person at times, he doesn't yeah. care. Elton John produced Rocket Man. And he doesn't want to look bad. Yeah, obviously. So, I mean, I wouldn't either. Yeah. So it, it, I think Disaster says works the best as a biopic of Tommy Wiseau because Tommy mm-hmm. Wiseau didn't give a sh- like. This is the actual life of this. They're yeah. not. They're not making it fancy. They're yeah. Not- so and you can either go that route or you could go like an Ed Wood route and sort of make it almost like a fairy tale. Because yeah. have you seen Ed Wood? I have not seen it. Are you familiar with the man no. Ed Wood? So he's also one of these guys who makes who made like these insane b movies in like the 50s okay um and it's a a tim burton movie it stars johnny depp as ed wood oops uh and so <laughs> the that movie 
is so whimsical and like Tim Burton esque uh, that you sort of you care about Ed Wood in a different way um, because he's so strange and so kind of quirky that you're like, okay, I like want to see where this goes. Yeah, and when in reality. Ed Wood was like a horrible drunk and he died without any money alone. Yeah. And that's tragic, but the movie doesn't frame it that way to make it more fun and entertaining. Okay. Whereas this movie feels like it couldn't necessarily pick a side. Yeah. Um, Cause sometimes so the, to expand on what I was saying in the non-spoiler section, yeah, like while they're shooting the movie, like sometimes they flip flop so often on like, Oh, this movie's bad. Yeah. And oh, they're having so much fun and he's funny. Mm-hmm. Like they just flip like so often. Yeah. Like wait, is it bad or is it funny or is it great? Like what what is this movie? Yeah. And they even have like a character at a certain point ask like what is this supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Is the movie a comedy or is it like serious or yeah. like what am I looking at? Um and they're talking about like the movie within the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, I think that's a good point of they you know, they have the director who's just in it to direct it, like get that directing credit and doesn't give a shit. And the moment they're done filming, he just walks out yeah. of the studio oh, yeah. like, fuck you guys. I'm done. Yeah, because they have the scene. They have the scene where the director is just like, what the hell is this shit? When he's like doing Kung Fu and mm-hmm. then it moves on to like the sex scene where everyone's having tons of fun. And the director's like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, I'm loving it. having tons of fun. And then the next scene is like fuck you guys I'm, yeah i'm out of here i'm leaving thank god this is done yeah and even though he was acting it looked like fun the ending even looked like fun when they were shooting it yeah too. and then all of a sudden the tone changes like finally i'm done with this it's it's one of those things where like he can rudy ray moore can have it all in this movie like he has fun making the movie he has a great time finally selling it everything just goes right consistently which i guess is our main criticism yeah. at this point is it's just it feels like there aren't any stakes and whenever the stakes are presented, they're immediately fixed. Oh, yeah. Immediately fixed. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, but Rudy Ray Moore is charismatic and awesome. So it doesn't matter yeah. that this bad thing's happening. Here's the thing. Maybe it happened that way. Yeah, maybe. But it doesn't make for a great yeah, biopic make, then. Yeah. Uh, biopics are, yeah. Just choose someone else next time, I guess, for the mm-hmm. biopic. But yeah. Is, I mean, the be- the best thing this movie has going for it is... um. The pers- it's personality and Eddie Murphy, basically. Yeah, no, so. it's the style. Eddie Murphy, I think, is great. Um, and it delivers on the three key tenets of movies, which is Titty's Explosion and Kung Fu. Yes, it does. And then the secret fourth one. It's a perfect film. Which, what was the last one when he changed it? Oh, yeah, he changed it. Because it was it. Titty's Explosions and then one other thing. I don't know. What it, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, we should give a shout out. Um, the director of Dolomite clearly listens to this podcast because they had a critics' corner. Oh yeah, they did in this movie. They did. Uh, I'll I'll say their intro was a little bit lacking. Yeah, not that good. Um, not great. Not super creative, and they didn't interrupt anyone doing it. Yeah, but the critics were very similar. Yeah, to they were critic. on par. Yeah, yeah, they were about as uh, good as any other critic on Critics' oh, Corner. Yeah. Uh, with puns like, like Dolomite. Dolomite. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, so that was more like Dolomite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was written by the bully from Tall Girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was fun. And that was the only scene where I felt like there might have been a little tension where they're in the limo going to the real premiere of Dolomite. And guess what, BB? What? Immediately result. <laughs> yep. It immediately saw like it's they're just driving there. They have all the papers and they're reading the reviews of the Dolomite movie. 
and all the reviews are like, this thing sucks. It's awful and weird and we don't get it. And then they pull up to the theater and there's thousands of people there <laughs> to like, see this premiere of Dolomite. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. And he, uh, he doesn't even watch the movie. He just sort of hangs out with all the people because like they have to have multiple showings to get everyone in. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially the end is him being like, yep, we did it. Great. Lots of money. Success, Hollywood. The Hollywood, baby. I mean, honestly, maybe they had that ending just for the Academy, right? Yeah, maybe because any movie about making a movie. Yeah, any movie about making a movie and how great movies are. I mean, but then if they didn't have their limited theater run... How are they going to be known? Yeah, I don't know. It did just feel like, you know, it, it's a story of like success and stardom and, you know, the little kids there who's such a fan and uh, Rudy Ray Moore's palling around with him and he gives him his cane. Yeah. And it's one of those things where like, yes, isn't celebrity great? Isn't Hollywood and movie making great? This yeah. is what happens. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's going to win it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I would say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the better Hollywood I would also movie. say that. It's also, <laughs> that's the other thing is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood plays with this idea of like, I guess Rudy Ray Moore was never washed up, but he was always like, I want to be the superstar. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time also, does. also wanted to be the superstar, but he takes the realistic route. Yeah. And that's the thing is the opening scene in this movie has Snoop Dogg being like, you know, maybe we missed our shot at being superstars, and obviously the movie refutes Which, that. Which, by the way, I don't know why Snoop Dogg's still... This is the second movie I've seen this year, Snoop Dogg, in, in a movie. Yeah, he's, he's cool. I don't think he's a good actor. I think yeah. he's cool, and that's the only reason he's in these movies. Yeah, he's Snoop Dogg. But he's not a good actor. He's, yeah, but he's Snoop Dogg. <laughs> okay. We could have this yes. con- conversation for the rest of eternity. It's just me listing off reasons he's been, And you're like, but yeah, he's cool. Yeah, he's Snoop Dogg, Snoop, though. It's Snoop Dogg. <laughs> you heard Snoop Dogg? Yeah, Snoop Doggy Dog. Yeah. Um... <laughs> It was like his his performance is bad. His delivery is awful. Mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg, though. <laughs> yeah, and so like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood takes the realistic approach of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio essentially accepting his fate and being like, I guess I'll do these shitty Italian movies. And he does them. And like, it doesn't seem like he has a bad time doing them, but yeah. at no point does... Well, I guess he does sort of get what he wants at the end, but it's not clear like how much he gets. That movie's good. It is good. I kind of forgot about it, and then I remembered... Like it came out this year, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I liked that." See, that's what. So to a little maybe spoiler, to, but this is like this is what stinks about Parasite, The Lighthouse, Marriage Story, Story, probably The Irishman. All these movies coming out now are mm-hmm. making me forget about What's the rest of the decade. Hollywood, the, oh, the farewell just this year. Oh, okay, the farewell. And there's one over and midsummer, like all, all these movies came out at the beginning of the year. There's a like, re- oh, those were good. Yeah, there's a reason that all the Oscar bait films come out in November, December because mm-hmm. they're fresh in your mind. Yeah, a lot more. And probably if you looked at my list right now, most of the top movies would be more recent. Yeah, I mean, so maybe I should adjust. It's the same thing with games. Like my favorite game of this year came out in like January, which is insane. Uh, but yeah, that's, it's all just backloaded in the year. So the Academy remembers them better. Yeah. But you know, why it's big boy movie season, Mm -hmm. big boy movie season. I would say, I wouldn't say Dolomite gets the big boy seal. I wouldn't say it's an official big boy movie. I don't think it's a big boy movie. Yeah. I think it's a general, it's a general audience film. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I'd say watch it. Like if you got an Might afternoon, well. I'd say it's one Netflix. of the one of the better Netflix like made for Netflix movies. 
you know, there's oh, a, yeah. a lot of garbage on Way there. Way too and, many duds. Yeah. Compared, and you got like this and Roma mm-hmm. and like <laughs> this and Roma <laughs> and marriage. Well, this year actually they're doing pretty good. Marriage story is very good. Mm-hmm. Irishman's apparently supposed to be very good. So that that's, yeah. that's a nice little Netflix is stepping up their game for sure. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, if, if you're waiting on the Irishman, uh, and you just finished, uh, the hateful eight, the series. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe also found out that was a thing, and I was like, "What? They made like it into a four-hour yeah. thing? They chopped up the hateful eight and added an extra hour to the movie. Yeah, I did not and put know it on that. Netflix. That's crazy. Yeah. I might need to rewatch it that way. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the only way I'd want to rewatch it because yeah. then I know when I can go to the bathroom. Yeah, and you can watch. Yeah, you can watch it in like little bites and pieces. Mm-hmm. See, Irishman is coming out in theaters now, and I'm like, kind of debating going baby don't do it just to convince me not to do don't it. don't do it you'll you're gonna come out a 70 year old man i know and i'm gonna have to use the bathroom at yeah. least once you're because like your options are either go to it and just sit there in the theater for three and a half hours at like a fucking clockwork orange with your eyeballs pinned oh, open God. <laughs> marty um, comes in <laughs> marty comes in and pins my yeah. eyeballs open. and then every time you see robert de niro you will vomit oh god uh <laughs> or You'll have to go to the theater, get like a soda or a drink or something, guaranteeing you will have to pee. No, I don't want to do that. Sometime within those three hours. Yeah. Uh, or you just watch it on your dang TV. Wait, when does it come out? November or for Netflix? November like 27th, maybe? Something like that. Basically, like a lot of movies that I think both of us want to see come out within like the same two weeks. That stinks. So we're going to have to figure it out. We're going to have to decide. We should, after this podcast, we're going to decide. Yeah. We'll, we'll make our schedule. uh, We should decide if you're going to see marriage story and we should talk about it on here. We should decide Mm -hmm. a bunch of things. Yeah. Uh, So stay tuned for all of those exciting developments. Uh, I think it's good. We took a a Netflix week this week before the hailstorm. knives outs coming. Yeah. Lots of stuff coming. Uh, So get hype. Yeah. Fellow gamers. Frozen 2. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Frozen 2. Ford, the Frozen. Ford v. Fr- frozen. <laughs> Ford v. Frozen. <laughs> it's going to be a great one. Yeah, I love... Yeah, that's what they should do, honestly, because yeah. we don't have time to see all these movies. They should just, just combine, combine them. It's just... what it, it's, it's a scene of Christian Bale, then it cuts to Elsa, yeah. mm-hmm. and then it cuts back to... <laughs> to these you want to race a reindeer? Against a Ferrari. <laughs> Olaf's like, yeah. oh, I'm Olaf. Yeah. Oh, I'm Olaf, and I have a catchphrase probably. Yeah. Olaf's Bazinga. Cute. Olaf's for kids, all right? If yeah. you like Olaf and you're an adult, Fuck off. off. <laughs> uh, screw off. <laughs> yeah, because wow. you're a kid. Oh, okay. That's fair. At heart. I didn't want to tell a child to fuck a- off. An adult child, because yeah. if they're an adult who likes Olaf, then screw off because you're a kid and you can't handle yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Off. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, oh, three stars for me, for Dolomite. I was also going to give it three stars. All right, cool. All right, so uh, stay tuned for whatever movies we watch within the next few weeks. And until then, stay big, you beautiful boys and girls.